This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 93. You know, a while back I was stuck in traffic for quite some time on Route 80 in New Jersey, thinking, hey, why aren't we moving? Then in the distance, I could hear a sound of a helicopter as it approached and then flew over towards the flashing lights ahead. Moments later, after circling, the helicopter was on the ground. It was then that I thought to myself, I sure hope I never need to use that helicopter, but I'm sure glad it's there if I need it. One of the more exciting jobs I can imagine is flying into remote locations and picking up injured people. But with that, the excitement comes some risk. And I really appreciate those first responders who answer the call every day to fly into remote and hazardous locations to save lives. Well, today I have with me a flight nurse and no stranger to this podcast, Paul Greco, RN. He's a, Paul's been a, a nurse for a number of years, 13 years, also a flight nurse for 10 years, and is an advocate for those wishing to enter the field. As you know from past episodes, Paul has taken a new direction in his life with an airline career. Paul's able to successfully combine both his passion for nursing and passion for flying. He's one of the hardest working people I know. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thanks, Carl. Great to be here. Well, I should say welcome back. It's been been awesome having you on. But uh, you know, s- some people don't realize that that you're you started uh, life as a nurse and uh, and as a flight nurse, and that's how you got your interest in in aviation. Um, but you know, going back before you, you got this passion for aviation, you know, let, let's just talk nursing first, and uh, and why why you became a nurse, and uh, and maybe possibly why people consider it as a job. That's a great question. So, you know, I, I became a nurse for, for a number of reasons. Mainly, um, quite a while ago, I've, I had some sick family members and I had a very helpless feeling. And so I always wanted to, uh, I always wanted to be able to help people. I had a, I have a passion for, uh, for helping people and making people's lives better. And so, uh, I thought nursing was a great career. When I was when I was 16, actually, I I uh, wasn't sure what direction to go. You, you know, you're starting to think about colleges and 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 where you want to head in life. And so I volunteered on on the uh, ambulance unit in my town that I grew up in, and that that was a I was able to get a little bit of experience into the industry, and uh, and I realized that it was for me and that I had a passion for it and and a talent for it, and so. Uh, and that so that's why I became a nurse. I wanted to help people, and uh, I, did, I hated that helpless feeling of uh, sitting there, seeing somebody helpless, needing help, injured, and uh, and I didn't know what to do, and I wanted to I wanted to change that. So I guess a lot of people have have the same reasoning to to become a nurse is really just to help people. You'd have to. You yeah, know? I think so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know what's interesting? This is really cool about nursing. Is there's so many parallels with nursing and aviation, uh, because you have to become certified to become a nurse, but you don't necessarily have to have a degree. Is that correct? Um, yes and no. It's sort of getting away from that model. Um, most of the hospitals nowadays really want to hire nurses that have bachelor bachelor's degrees. Um, a number of years ago, when I say a number of years ago, I'm talking about 
50 years ago or more even maybe, there were nursing programs that were what they called diploma programs. And so the nursing career could be a little bit confusing from an education standpoint because you had back then uh, diploma nurses, you had associate's degree nurses, you had baccalaureate prepared nurses, and then, and now uh, you have master's prepared nurses and even doctorate prepared nurses. So there's a there's a wide a wide variety of of um, uh, different types of uh, education that you could get. But the the confusing part was a diploma nurse and an associate nurse and a baccalaureate nurse all did the same job. And so yes, you're right in that in that regard. But today, um, they they've gone away from that, and there are still associate programs. I'm not sure of any diploma programs left anymore, um, but most hospitals really, really want to see uh, baccalaureate prepared nurses. So to, to get a license, like, so that's a little different, you know, as a, you get your pilot certificate and you don't need a degree to get your pilot certificate, but to become a nurse, you'd have to actually go for like a two year type of degree uh, or an associate's. Is that correct? Minimally? Yes. Right. Okay. Minimally. And, and so then you get this certification and a degree, like an associate's, and then you can actually practice as a nurse in most states. You get licensed. Is it a license that's It's federal? actually a license. Yeah, okay. no, it's a license. You get licensed as a nurse. So that license is actually good in a state, or is it a federal license? It's a state license, and the, every state has different requirements. I, I'm cert, uh, no, I'm saying certified. I'm licensed in... New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Because of the job that I do, I need to be licensed in those states. Um, and in each state, they have different requirements. Uh, in New York, for example, I was required to take uh, two classes on... Um, oh, it slipped my mind. One was on, I believe, HIV, and the other was on uh, child abuse. Um, that was t- entirely different from uh, Pennsylvania, where you just send them a check. And they and they give you, they give you your your license. Right. So there's reciprocity from the standpoint of they recognize you're you're a licensed nurse. If you're licensed in a state, they recognize that you don't have to take another certificate, uh, a licensing exam, but you do not have to, but you still have to pay them their money and and go through their process. Interesting. So in that respect, it isn't like a pilot certificate, and then a pilot certificate is a is a U.S. certificate. So each state you have to be licensed uh, for the nursing cert, uh, license that you have. Uh, so so there are certain challenges there. So if you decide to move, unlike your pilot certificate, you you can't really take it with you. You have to actually get a license in those other states, kind of like an attorney wouldn't Correct. need to do that, such a thing. Exactly. So this kind of ties in with there's there's a lot of people that are out there that are you know EMT. I think that's similar where you need licensing in each state uh, and nurses where you want to bring that with you. And uh, you have to kind of think about that if you want to combine a nursing career with a, with a flying career, which is what you have done. So you, you might be limited geographically uh, and you have to take that into consideration, I would think. Sure. Um, I mean, you can, you can, it, it would just take time. I mean, it's quite easy to get a license in another state Um it's just a it's a question of going through the process to do it. So you have to go to the to the state board of nursing's website for whatever state you want to go to, download an application. You can even call if you have questions, and they usually have a checklist for uh, to follow to determine exactly what you need to do. But it's usually not too difficult. It just takes a little bit of time and a little bit of money. 
But to become a nurse, I guess, is is somewhat of a challenge. And just like becoming a, a pilot, uh, there's there's you know a lot of practical knowledge that you have to have. It's not just book knowledge, just like aviation. Uh, you have to actually have to be able to perform. What are some of the unique challenges uh, in becoming a nurse compared to say just a, a regular degree program? Um, nursing nursing school was definitely a challenge, uh, and there are a lot of very uh, it very similarly tracks the aviation from a sense that you are truly learning the foundation of how to take care of a person, and you really aren't learning um, the, the the nuts and bolts of of nursing until you get to a hospital and you learn on the job by taking care of patients and learn from learning from others. Uh, so that that very similarly. Um, parallels aviation in that you get your you get your private pilot and it really is a license to learn and then you get your commercial and you're le- you're learning and I learn every day as a pilot now and as just as I learn every day as a nurse even still 13 years later you're always picking something new up but the 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 challenges in the, from academically are are numerous I mean there were there were tons of papers that had to be written there was clinical time that went on at the same time as uh, as as classroom activities. It's very heavily science based. A lot of people may not realize, but you know, the first two years of a four year nursing degree are are all science classes: anatomy and physiology one and two, pathophysiology, pharmacology, uh, biology, chemistry, biochem, organic chem. God for God forsaken organic chem. <laughs> but uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of sciences. It was very heavily, uh, very. They give you a heavy a heavy foundation of science, and then you go into your nursing classes and you learn about the different pathologies that you're going to see, and and like you said, you know that's a that's uh, you take that information, but then you have to go and you have to apply it and correlate that to what you see in in the hospital. And so that's where the real learning begins because everything doesn't happen the way it, it you know, it, it says it should in the book all the time. Yeah, when you're on the line, it's totally different. Totally different on the line. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know, we talk about aviation careers here, and what's really cool is that we talk about all aerospace and aviation careers. You don't necessarily have to fly planes, although we do concentrate on that because that that's you know one of the more challenging things to get into and takes a lot more time than most but to become a flight nurse also takes a little bit of time and you know there's many different types of flight nurses you know we we usually think about pilots and people and nurses in helicopters but there's different aircraft that they fly and you've actually gone through that history of the different types of aircraft so what type of aircrafts can do they fly often Okay, so there's there's two types of medevac flight nursing opportunities or flight medicine opportunities. You can have um, what they call fixed wing uh, medevac, or you can have rotor wing medevac. So taking care, of flying people in airplanes or helicopters, and so um, the types of equipment that you might see routinely in the uh, in the uh, southwestern part of the country where there's the hospitals are very very far away excuse me far away f- too far for helicopters to travel they have um, typically king airs 
or Pilatuses, um, and and so you'll see those on the fixed wing side. Um, additionally, there's there are jets that that get involved for international and overseas travel, and so you'll see uh, you'll see some some of the bigger bigger Lear's Lear Lear fifty fives and uh, and things of that nature uh, to do some of the island hopping. Uh, out of the Bahamas, if you have a heart attack in the Bahamas, they'll fly you. They'll fly you to the mainland uh, in in southern Florida, things like that. Um, on the rotor wing side, the the most common helicopters you're, you're going to see are uh, Airbus, Euro, Eurocopter. Uh, you'll see EC 135s and 145s. You'll see uh, A stars. Um, you'll see some Bell some bell products out there every now and again but those are the main those are the main variety of helicopters you'll see and they all have their unique differences and um so and currently right now i'm in an ec-135 uh on the helicopter side yeah what what a cool helicopter actually i, I have a picture of it I'll, I'll put it out on the show notes uh we, and we went out and actually took a look at it as a matter of fact as a tease we're gonna be interviewing one of the pilots uh from that operation fascinating though that how many different types of aircraft they use uh, just from my experience with with uh flight nurses and and air medevac that type of thing uh, i used to live with a bunch of guys as they were in my crash pad that flew uh leers and they would go and this is this is something really fascinating that people don't realize is that if you get sick, just like you said, if you get sick in the Bahamas, they're going to have to go get you and and bring you back to the U.S. Uh, you know, the the medical care here, first of all, you have your insurance, but it's also, in, in as comparatively speaking, it, it's far and above most other countries. So they'll go out there and pick you up and bring you back home. And, of course, I travel for a living, so that's one of the things that, that we have within our insurance and is that, or I have, is to have an air ambulance come get me. One thing that's really cool is when I was talking to one of these guys, I said, hey, listen, you know, where do you go? And he says, well, we're, we're going down to the islands. And he said, you know, we are in Panama quite often. I was like, that's interesting um, because, you know, I fly over Panama every so often. And uh, one of the reasons is a lot of people go on cruise ships and they're going down the Panama Canal and they get sick. So what they'll do is they'll take them off the cruise ship, take them to the airport there in Panama, and then fly them back to the United States uh, to get their medical care. Obviously, there's there's we're here in the U.S., so we're talking that, but obviously there's lots of air ambulances all throughout uh, different countries in the world where they'll bring you back to your country. It's quite expensive, uh, but it's it's amazing how quickly you can go get somebody. Not only that, it, you're you're flying all hours of the night. Uh, which is actually, I'm sure, one of those one of those challenges we're going to talk about here is, uh, you know, people get sick 24/7. They don't pick the time when they're going to get sick, and it and usually seems like it's an inopportune time. So I'm glad you brought that up about flying. Uh, a lot of people just think helicopters, but just remember, air ambulance services are throughout the world. I mean, they they go on all sorts of different type of aircraft. It's it's fascinating how they how they move people so quickly. Uh, I think uh, that the military is one of them that that uh, they try to model on. Just uh, like my dad said in the war, agree, yeah. they just would pick somebody up and bring him back to the U.S. and within 24 hours, just just amazing. Is uh, and I'm sure you've spoken with some of these people before. The people that have transported people or done air ambulance. Have sure. you ever thought about doing that type of flying? 
I actually did do that type of flying. So that's actually how I broke into the industry, and that's how I, that's how I, I was first exposed to general aviation. Um, so in, it's kind of a cool story uh, in that in 2005, I was working nights and up all night, couldn't sleep. And so I was on the computer um, Googling, you know, flight nursing. I had always, when I became a nurse, I, one of the things I wanted to do, one of my goals was to become a flight nurse. That's, that was another reason why I became a nurse. Um, I always had a desire to do that. And so, um, so here I find this company in, in the state that I live that, that does fixed wing flight nursing. And I said, wow, that's awesome. So I, I sent him an email and I sent him my resume and, uh, and said, Hey, if you're, if you're looking to hire anybody, I'm, I'm interested in working. And so sure enough, I get a phone call the next day that they are looking to hire people. And so I met with the chief flight nurse and he hired me and it was a little bit of a gamble for them in that I only had, I think three, two and a half years or three years of nursing experience. Um, so that's the very, very minimum that you would ever get hired into a position like that. Um, but I got hired. I started flying um, in a Cessna 414 and some Piper Navajos. And so that was my first taste of uh, general aviation was, was doing short flights from the, uh, the, the north, all within the northeast or uh, within, say, 500 miles of New York City. And so we would do a lot of um, flights to Pittsburgh because out in Pittsburgh, out in Pittsburgh, they do a ton of lung transplants. So patients that needed lung transplants uh, in this part of the world, we would take out to uh, Pittsburgh or we would fly people to Duke because they had a really good neuro, uh, neuro program out there. So um, I did get into that, and it was really interesting, and I had an opportunity to fly on some uh, some other jets and, and go into some pretty remote hospitals and stabilize people and, and bring them home. So I did do that, and it was very cool. So, Very cool experience. So, so the majority. This, this is interesting because what what is the majority of using fixed wing aircraft for? Is it to get people back to their home, or do you find that bringing them to some type of special care, like you discussed, or is it a combination of both? Th- evenly. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, you know, there are there there are the people that you like you mentioned earlier, the the people that get sick on the cruise ship, or the people that fly to, you know, the Bahamas, and they're in the Bahamas and they have a heart attack, and they're in a hospital where chickens are running through it, and there's no windows, and they're freaking out, and they call, they you know they they start looking around, and and they they re- most people don't even realize that this service exists and, until they they make phone calls and call their a lot of times I'll call their doctor at home their their primary care doctor and they'll know about they'll know about um a company and they'll refer them uh give them a phone number or, or call for them um but so I think it's probably a a pretty even mix of of um you know bringing people around the country as well as retrieving people from other countries and and, and bringing them back one thing that's is really fascinating, of course, if people know my background, I was in the Bahamas for quite some time. Is you know the island that I was on, we didn't have a doctor, uh, but we had a nurse. And normally, what would happen is you would put somebody in a boat, get them over to the mainland, and put them on a on an airplane back to the United States to get them to a hospital. Uh, but we we normally would call nine one one. Here in this case, it could be quite some time. Uh, before you're actually in a hospital being cared for by a doctor. 
uh, so that that flight nurse is really important from from where you're injured to to where you're transported to. So there's there's a couple things here we're talking about. You know, most of us think about oh, you know, the helicopter comes in and gets me, and it's only a quick flight to the hospital. But as a flight nurse, there's many different challenges, uh, and there's you you might be working uh, a patient for quite some time, I would assume. So what, what nor- what's the normal amount of time that you would be with a patient? And, and describe some of the challenges. Well, that varies. Like you said, that varies from, from job to job. When I worked as a fixed-wing flight nurse, I could be with a patient for eight hours, 10 hours. Wow. Um, we could, you know, if you're, coming out of, if you're coming from another country and you have to make a fuel stop, uh, you know, you're, you're literally with the patient. It's like being, it's like an entire, um, ICU shift almost in a hospital. Um, so, so on the fixed wing side, it could be quite a while. Um, if you're talking about the rotor wing side, that all, that depends on, on the geographic location that you're working in. In the Northeast, we don't, we don't spend too much time with patients because the hospitals are a little bit closer. Um, and so, you might spend 15 minutes with the patient uh, or 10 minutes with the patient on the ground and then and then 10 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes with the patient in the helicopter and another 10 minutes with the patient on the other side. So under an hour total. Um, so very, very short period of time. The challenge is that that... And they present to, two totally different sets of challenges because you have... In one set of circumstances, you have tons of time. You have You have... Two, four, six, eight, ten hours, and so you're 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 taking care of a patient, and you're you're monitoring um, their vital signs, and you're giving medications, and you have time to even see the effects of the medications and readjust your game plan. Whereas in the in the other the the other job on the helicopter job, you have no time, and in fact, you're talking about time critical situations where there's something in trauma called the golden hour. And the 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 uh, likelihood that somebody, the outcome, the overall outcome, or the likelihood that somebody survives a major trauma, goes up significantly if you could get them to the operating room within the hour. So you're talking about, and that's the, from within the hour from the onset of injury. So if the if the person is injured uh, at say 12 o'clock, and we get called at 12:08, and it takes us eight minutes to get off the ground or seven minutes to get off the ground and then it takes us five minutes to fly there you're we're already 20 we're going on over 20 minutes into the event so that only gives us 40 minutes to get the patient to the or so the 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 challenge is doing what you need to do in a really really short period of time and doing what you need to do could be extricating them from a vehicle or from the ground um securing an airway um, uh, that's a huge part of our job is making sure that their airway is not compromised and, uh, and getting IV access, getting any medications that on board that they might need and getting them secured in, into, uh, the, the helicopter and over to the hospital. And so my job is really to get, to get them from the accident scene, stabilize them very basically and get them to the, uh, to the emergency room. Cause the emergency room has to then assess these patients and, and, uh, start start that process to get them to the operating room all within an hour. It's a very very uh, high energy moment, and so the, those <laughs> wow. those uh, challenges are are uh, quite different. 
So you know, you go into a you go into a hospital in another country, and they've had they've been having a heart attack for six hours. So in this country, we don't we don't see some of the symptoms maybe uh, because w- most people when they're having chest pain they go right to the hospital, so they don't have a chance to develop into uh, these other symptoms. And so you're you're going to these you're going to these outlying places and and people are really really sick and you're seeing you're seeing the worst of the worst and so then you have to stabilize them and and continue to stabilize them throughout the course of the hours it takes to get to the next facility so they're they're different different challenges but you know very interesting either way yeah th- this is fascinating because we you know especially here in the united states where we're recording this it you you just take for granted a lot of times that you're gonna you're gonna get care right away. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. I've when I was on the island, uh, we lost somebody that was stung by a bee because right. we couldn't get the uh, what's the pin I'm trying to say the uh, epipen epipen right in, into them because they didn't have one anywhere. Right, and even the nurses station didn't have one. They had run out, so uh, that person passed away. Uh, just because of a bee sting, right. and in the United States, we call nine one one, and you have somebody with an EpiPen there very quickly, or you know, even I'm assuming even certain the first respond other first responders have those. Right. Uh, so we have this abundance of care here that's it's phenomenal. Uh, but also with that though, and when you were speaking, I was kind of getting a little little juiced up here because you know it that that one golden hour like you talked about that's a heck of a lot of responsibility and sure. you know what i'm thinking in my mind and you're probably over this but when you're starting out you that must weigh on you that that responsibility that you have to that individual that you're going to pick up um i know in the heat of the moment it must not get to you but but does it ever affect you either prior or afterwards that oh my gosh didn't you know I've got all this responsibility, and and did I do the right thing? Yeah, a lot of times. I mean, sometimes it happens after the fact. I think that um, you know, just like pilots are trained to do their job, we're trained we're trained to do a job. Um, we do the best that we can. Um, I, I, you know, second. I don't know if you want to call it second guessing, but there's always there's hindsight's twenty twenty, and. Uh, once a month we take a look at uh we take a look at the some of the calls that we've been involved in and we sort of nitpick them and and see if there's anything that we could have done differently um and that's that's not to uh to belittle anybody or make anybody feel bad it's to learn and to uh and to improve for 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 next time so there's a lot of continuing education from that standpoint um but i as far as beating myself up, I I try not to do that. It's it can get unhealthy. Right. Um, you know there have been a couple of cases that I've had that have personally affected me. Um, sometimes, and there's no sort of rhyme or reason why I s- seem to be affected uh, by certain cases. But ever since I had kids, obviously now kids taking care of kids. Um, sort of upsets me a little bit. I just right. took care of one yesterday. And so it, she'll do fine. But uh, it puts things into a different perspective that I didn't see before. Right. So, um, yeah. I, but I don't try and... I try not to um, to beat myself up too bad over, over things. Because a lot of times... You know, a lot of times people get these massive injuries and there's nothing that anybody could do to make it better. 
and so that's tough to deal with i mean it's uh you know, I, I'm on the opposite end of that. You know, I'm I'm transporting people that are you know got red noses and big ears going to Disney, and <laughs> exactly. uh, and and you're transporting people that just want to live and it's and and be safe and get healthy again. And it it's such a challenge. I know we normally when we have an emergency, we do sometimes second guess ourselves. It doesn't happen that often, and uh, thank God for that. You know, but in your case, yeah, this is a high adrenaline type of of scenario almost every time you go out. Uh, that that could, I think that would wear you down, wouldn't it? It it can. I think you do build up sort of a tolerance to the adrenaline in a way. I mean, there are certain things that happen that might get you amped up a little more than than other things. Um, but it's a it's sort of at this point in my career, it's sort of a controlled adrenaline rush. Right. Um, you know, you have a job to do. There are certain things that need to be done. You are flying into areas that are unimproved, and so that's dangerous. And so you have to be expeditious but safe at the same time. And so um, sometimes you have to slow down. Sometimes I catch myself, you know, going maybe too fast, or I see my partner going too fast, and vice versa. And we slow each other down. That's what the other guy's there for. And so um, you have to you have to move expeditiously. You have, to, but you have to be safe. But there is risk involved there because you are you are moving expeditiously. I, you know, we, at the airline, it's very very different. We do, everything is very deliberate, very calculated. Um, and and uh, you know, we we rush in between turns, but that's eighteen minutes. Um, so on a quick turn, and that's you know, so that's a ton of time uh, for me. And so, you know, I think, I think, yeah, that's, I don't know. I think that's the way I feel about that. 18 minutes. You know, I, uh, it's funny. I'm laughing here. At my, I'm thinking 18 minutes to me, that's crazy. You know, we, we can't even unload an airplane in, in 18 minutes, <laughs> let alone a half hour sometimes. Well, um, I'm, I'm, so. I have 25% of the people on my plane that you have in here. Yes. <laughs> but I, I'll sit there and have my sandwich in between. But, you know, yeah, exactly. But, but you know, the, what's interesting is the fact that, you know, we have a life as an airline pilot and, uh, you know where you know it's it's just hours of boredom and then punctuated by moments of sheer terror where yours is just constant you know adrenaline rush go 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 um and one of the things i'm thinking while you're talking is do you ever do you ever get scared or think about gosh you know i don't i don't know this this could be dangerous and i could get i'm assuming that you've heard of people getting killed and, and trying to save other people's lives yeah, I know of people who uh, a year ago, I think it was a year and a half ago now. I know a girl who was killed out, and she she was from this area. She was a nurse um, and moved out to the southwest. It's very difficult to get a job as a flight nurse out out in um, the New Jersey, New York area. It's very competitive. There's not a lot of helicopters, so um, she really wanted to be a flight nurse. It's what she always wanted to do. Um, she got a job working for a company, moved, went to, uh, I think it was New Mexico, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, they had a controlled flight into terrain accident in some reduced visibility of weather, and she didn't make it, and the whole crew died. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it does happen. Um, back in 2008, specifically, the FAA took a very hard look at, at um, uh, helicopter EMS, HEMS it's called, and because of the the accident rate was so high, and they wanted to know why why are so many people crashing? Why are so many people dying doing this when 
commercial aviation is getting safer and safer year by year. And and I think the reason is because you are you just by nature of what you do, you're you're flying you're flying this to save people's lives. Sometimes the weather is marginal. It's all VFR flying for the most part. There is a little bit of IFR flying that you can do, but if you're trying to get to an accident scene, it's got to be VFR. Um, and so I think people tend to uh, push the envelope a little bit, and um, and I think that's why that those accidents happen. And for me personally, there have been a couple of uh, exciting moments that uh, I wish I didn't get involved in. That I I think we we debriefed after and and said that can't happen again. Um, uh, some of them were for weather. I think most of them were for weather uh, from the events that I'm thinking of. But uh, they're even just landing at some of the uh, remote LZs that we land at. Uh, some of them are are tight. There's a lot of obstructions in terms of power li- power lines and terrain, trees. Um, and so, you know, if, if something should happen with the aircraft, um, you know, it would, be, it would be a bad day for all of us. So, yeah, I think about that every now and again. Not while you're doing it, but I, you know, while you're doing it, you kind of you kind of look at those LZs and you point things out. And in fact, yesterday we we went into this LZ. Uh, I worked yesterday. Uh, we went into this LZ. And LZ meaning landing zone. Landing LZ, yeah, zone. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, That's landing right. zone. Yeah. And so I went, we went into this landing zone, and um, it was out in the middle of you know out in the middle of nowhere, and. So we're doing our we do two orbits, uh, what they call a high recon and a low recon uh, orbit. And the the goal for the high recon is to look for big things like terrain, uh, stuff that stuff that you could see from high up. The low recon is done to look for things like power lines, telephone poles, signposts, things of that nature. And on the we on the the low recon we missed a we missed a crane that we didn't see. Um, because it sort of blended in with the, uh, it sort of blended in with the ground. It was really, it was really strange. I didn't have a flag on it or anything. And so here we are, we're turning a corner and I said, crane 11 o'clock, you know, hundred feet below us. And he's like, okay, Roger, and just turned a little bit further, you know, tighter on the, uh, recon, but it was a good pickup. And, um, it's just an example of how, you know, you gotta be super, super sharp when you're going into places like that. And it's a good example of the dangers that exist for everyday, Every, that's everyday flying for uh, for flight flight uh, folks. Well, that that sounds really exciting. But if you go back to why commercial air, you know, airlines, et cetera, are getting safer, they would never do anything like that. You, you right. just would never operate in that type of environment. No, that's you right. Know, everything we do, it goes into a controlled environment, and not only that, our environment changes. You know, the, we do approaches now that we could never do before that are safer. And not only that, we get rid of approaches that we used to do before to air, airports that you guys are doing all the time that right. we would we don't even we're not even allowed to do anymore. That's right. So so that's the difference. But you don't you don't have a choice as to where someone gets hurt. That's right. You, you're you're going to go in there, and uh, and that's but but with that said, there are times you can't go right. There are times that you can't go. That is correct. So. Um, and it's mainly for weather. I mean, as I said, you need to go to to go to um, a nine one one call or go to a remote landing site. You have to be you have to fly under visual flight rules or VFR, and so you need to have certain the ceiling and visibility 
minimums to, to be able to do that. Um, if the weather's bad, you, you, you can't go. And that's sometimes frustrating, but um, because you know somebody needs your help, but you, that, you have to let that go. You have to get past that. And mm-hmm. and realize that you're not doing anybody any good if you uh, you know if you crash or frankly if you get there the weather's marginal um, and you get there and then you can't go now you're stuck out there with with uh, no way to get them to where they need to go or you choose and that puts pressure on you because then you say oh we're here let's try and get let's try and get them there and so you you might you might do things that you wouldn't have done otherwise so it's all about mitigating the risk. And the easiest way to mitigate the risk and something that our company does is they have a rule. It's called three to go, one to say no. And so there's – even though there's one one pilot, it's single pilot IFR, uh, and he – the PIC is ultimately, ultimately responsible like in any aviation-related job. The uh, the medical crew, the nurse and the paramedic have the ability to, to can the, the mission um, – with the same level of authority that the pilot does. So if any one of the three is uncomfortable, then we don't go. And and so we have these discussions uh, when you know when we're looking at some some crummy weather. And so that's how we take care of that. And and I think we do a great job of mitigating the risks where I work right now. Um, um, you know there are like we said there are inherent risks involved when you do land in unimproved areas and you're doing this type of work, but we do a, we do a real good job of mitigating those risks and, and, and operating very safely. And, and some jobs are just high risk. I mean, that's, uh, and that's right, what you exactly. do. And, you know, and I always tell people, and this is, this is my analogy is, you know, with the helicopters and, you know, I hang around with these guys a lot and then people ask me, you know, you know, why is it they can't go out to the scene? It's like, well, you know, liken it this way. You know, the first responders and the helicopter pilots, nurses, et cetera, and those people on the aircraft, they're our heroes, but they're not superheroes. They can't see through the clouds. They can't fly through the air in a cape. It's There are limitations to what a human can do and what an aircraft can do. Uh, so that that's the – I've always told people that, yes, they're, they're heroes, but they're not superheroes, and they – they have limitations in life, and and that's the way it is. I mean, that's hard sometimes to deal with because you 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 want to get you're, you're We are all mission driven in aviation in general, right. and when we can't actually complete the mission, then you get a little bit bummed out, you know. And uh, that happened to me last night. Uh, I had a had a flight. I couldn't do it. Uh, I I uh, it wasn't legal to do it. And you're sitting there like, shoot, you know, that, darn, you know, I can't do this. Uh, right. And there are limitations in life, and that's just the way it is. You know, you just have to go that way. Um, but, you know, in looking at this, you know, this career, there's one thing that someone said to me long time ago when I was talking about helicopters, which I think are really cool, and I think they're neat to fly. And it was it was not long after a controlled flight into terrain where someone had hit a tower. He said to me, he says, just remember that, uh, you know, we've saved more lives with helicopters than we've ever lost, oh, and true. by Never many, seen. many fold. Yeah, that's great. And, and it's true. I mean, without such a, you know, a helicopter and, and even the, you know, we talk helicopters a lot, but, you know, fixed wing aircraft too. You're going into these different sites. As a matter of fact, uh, let's get back to the fixed wing. These guys land on roads out in the Midwest sometimes. Sure. Yeah. And because and, there's no hospital around, they block off the road, they land, and then they take off again. I have a friend that's doing uh, flying as a pilot out there, and that's how they transport people from many different uh, accents that are out there. Uh, you know, we... We really appreciate, obviously, what 
what the flight nurse does and the pilots and all the folks involved do. But, uh, you know, and it sounds pretty darn exciting. And it sounds like you've saved a whole bunch of lives, which is really, really cool. But, you know, what? one thing that, that I know, it, there is a difference in different operations. And let's focus on, like, the helicopter flight nurse. What, what differences are there and how uh, can you get involved in the different types of helicopter operations? Um, so... In order to get a job working as a helicopter flight nurse, you typically have to have between three and five years of what they consider critical care nursing experience in the hospital. And critical care nursing experience means ICU, CCU, PACU, uh, post-anesthesia, or the emergency department. And so you need three to five years minimally of that type of experience. They also like to see what they call pre-hospital experience, which is um, uh, like uh, paramedic type experience, working on an ambulance, responding to 911 calls, because 50% of your job is is responding to 911 calls. The other 50% of your job is transporting people from smaller community hospitals um, that are incapable of taking care of a certain pathology to a major medical center that has the capability and equipment and staff to do that. So that's the other half of the job. Um, and so, so you need to have experience doing both. You need to have experience in the hospital where you can take care of those people and you need to have um, the paramedic side, the uh, pre-hospital experience. And then, so when you get all that, that experience, then you have to get a bunch of certifications. You have to get certified in advanced life support or ACLS, Advanced Cardiac Life Support. You need to be certified in Pediatric Advanced Life Support, or PALS. You have to have a basic CPR certification. You have to have neonatal resuscitative uh, certifications. You have to have a a certification to be board certified in either flight nursing or emergency nursing. Um, That's abbreviated as you, you might hear CFRN or CEN. Uh, or even a CCRN, critical care registered nurse. That's that's just simply a board certification exam that you take. It's a very difficult exam, um, and so you you take that exam, and then um, you have to in in New Jersey specifically, you have to have a certification as a nurse called a mobile intensive care nurse, and that is um, uh, that requires 200 hours of uh, shadowing a paramedic in an ambulance, learning the the differences. There are differences um, in in terms of those jobs. So you learn the difference. It's like differences training in uh, aviation. So you do differences training to become a paramedic and get certified in that. And I think that. Well, then they have uh, trauma certifications that you have to take pre-hospital trauma courses and other trauma nursing courses. And then when you take all that stuff, then you have all the certifications you need to be a flight nurse, and then you just have to um, get a job. <laughs> it sounds like a, a really inexpensive endeavor, right? Or do you get paid while you're getting these certifications? No, it's it's pretty. It depends on you know y- your employer. Some employers will pay for these ex- these certifications. Others will not. If it's sort of directly related to your um, what your current job is, you can you, you could. Uh, you could take. You could get either paid to take them, or at the at worst case scenario is you won't get paid, but the courses will be covered if your hospital system p- 
provides those courses. If the hospital system does not offer those courses in their education department, then you would have to pay for that. But most hospital systems offer most of those courses. Interesting. So now how long are we talking here to get all the certification? Like if you were to tell somebody from ground zero right now they're starting, how long should they give themselves to get to that point where they can be an actual nurse uh, in aviation? So it's four years to be a nurse. If you have no nursing degree whatsoever, it's four years to be a nurse. Then you need three to five years nursing experience uh, in, in a critical care area. And then those certifications, you can pick up those certifications while you're working as a nurse. So I would say, not you know, between what is that, seven and nine years, right? Yeah, that's from this from the start. That's quite a while. Oh yeah, yeah, that sure is. And and in the pay in the nursing field, just in general, uh, you're looking at registered nurses nationwide, a median income, and we'll put this up on the website from the Bureau of Labor Statistics around sixty five thousand. That's nationwide, and of course, uh, you know, diagnostic and and treating practitioners, you're looking at like 73000 as the median. Uh, the top, and in general, we're just looking at, at pay, uh, 10%, the bottom 10%, we're making 45 and less, and the top 10% are making 94 and more. Uh, as far as a actual nurse, a flight nurse, that from your experience and from, from your friend's experience, are, are those numbers closer? Where, where would somebody as a flight nurse uh, begin uh, in a range. Yeah, you know, so it's, you would think that because the because of the nature of the job, flight nurses might make a little bit more money because of, it's a little bit more dangerous than working in a hospital, let's say. But but you don't. You, you make on par with whatever nurses make in your geographic region. So the what I've seen from a salary standpoint specifically, uh, the biggest determining factor for the difference in nursing salary is just geographically where are you are you in the new york new jersey connecticut area which has one of the highest cost of living in the country then you're going to be on the top end of that scale you might be in the um 75 to 90 range if you're in uh you know somewhere in mississippi in the middle of nowhere mississippi you might be in the forty thousand dollar range so that's what i i I have personally seen, um, but in my in my person right now where I work currently, um, I I don't I make my wife is also a nurse. I make the same amount of money that she makes. And so I I make we've we've it's based on uh, longevity in the health system how, how and how many years you've been a nurse and they have a, a salary range and you can kind of you can kind of negotiate within that within that range but you're talking about negotiating a couple of you know like a buck or two here or there Interesting. Per hour. Yeah, yeah i i personally i i'm surprised by that i i thought right. that it would be it would be much more like you said but uh Interesting, quite interesting. But what, what also another, another thing that's fascinating about the nursing field, which is really cool, uh, and it segues into aviation too, is the fact that there are so many nurses that work part time. As a matter of fact, let's look at some stats and from Bureau Labor, Labor Statistics. We're looking at in 2012, one out of every five registered nurses worked part time. That's huge. Uh, that that's a lot, and and it's amazing to see so many and. And as a matter of fact, that's what you're doing right now, aren't you? Yeah, I sure am. And uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, 
Interesting. What a, what a challenge. And it's it's because it's something that once you're trained, you have that knowledge, you can use it on a part-time basis. You don't lose it quite as much as long as you keep your hand in it. Kind of like flying, whereas there's a lot of people out there that like to be part-time instructors. They don't want to do it full-time. It's the same kind of thing. You, you still keep that skills up, uh, but you don't have to be in it full-time. Uh, right. and, and so what have you done? Let, give us an example. You've actually been able to take your career – as a nurse and parlay it uh, into a, an airline. You're actually an airline pilot now. How are you able to manage both of those? Um, with a lot of organization and support from the family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's real. It's been a challenge. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't try and sugarcoat it. Um, it's been difficult the for a lot of reasons. But uh, I did. I I switched. My full time job is now working as a pilot at the airline. Um, I always had a passion. I always had a passion for helping people, but I always had a passion for flying. Um, I have a, a picture. I'll show you someday, maybe. I, uh, uh, I've got a picture written in um, magic marker on the inside of the closet door at my mom's house where I grew up. It says, I want to be a pilot when I grow up. Cool. Uh, and I wrote that when I was probably 10 or 9 or something, when you would write stuff on the inside of doors but uh well, you gotta you yeah. gotta scan that and let us put that on the on the show yeah. notes that'd be cool yeah, i'll do that yeah <laughs> yeah it's cool and so uh yeah i mean i've always loved aviation i've always loved flying and everything i've done in my in in my career working has pushed me towards aviation including nursing um and so it just felt like the thing to do i the reason why i got into flying was because i was i was flying as a nurse and we dropped the patient off in a Cessna 414, and uh, so I, I I got in the back of the airplane just like a passenger would, and the the pilot was that I was flying with said, "What are you doing back there? Come up here. It's too long to to sit by yourself. I need somebody to talk to." So I joined him up in the cockpit, and he took off and got to uh, 2,000 feet, and he said, "Have you ever flown a plane before?" I said, "No, never. Just on just on the computer." And he said, okay, you have the flight controls, and, and just let go. And I was like, oh, and I just grabbed the flight controls, and and I flew for an hour and a half all the way back home, and I was hooked. I just that, I got out of the airplane, and um, uh, and I started researching flight schools. And, I, and that did it for me. That sealed the deal, and it showed me that it was something that I could do. And, um, and so to answer your question about uh, the airline, I – I got to a point in a, f- a few years ago where I said, um, I, I don't want to live my, re- my life with regrets. That's p- part of one of the things that you see, unfortunately, doing this job as a flight nurse is you, you see people's lives end prematurely. You see that frequently. And, and so uh, one of the things that I decided that I, I didn't want to do was be, be that person when they're 60, 70, 80 years old saying, man, I really wish I would have become an airline pilot. I think I could have been really good at that job. And so I had a long conversation with my wife and I, and we talked about how difficult it would be because it's, it was quite a pay cut. Um, and, and has been that way for a number of years now. Um, but we talked about, we talked about, um, me needing to do this to fulfill, to fulfill my, my life and uh, and she was really really supportive and I worked real hard I, I quit the job that I had been working at for eight years as a nurse um, and and I got a job working for a flight nursing company that worked 24 hour shifts so I worked 20 a 24 hour shift on 
I took 24 hours off, worked another 24 hours on, and then had five days off. And I used that five days off to become to get all the rest of my ratings. And I did that for a year. And then I stayed at that job for a little while so that I could teach on those five days off um, and and build my flight experience. And uh, and then eventually I was teaching and flying charter. And, and then I got I got the job at the company that I'm at now, which was a, which I was able to. Uh, not work 24-hour shifts, work 12-hour shifts, and really able to to juggle the flying to to get the hours that I ne- that I needed to be able to go to the airline, and so that's how I did it. And I worked real, real hard. It was really tiring. I w- worked seven days a week, but jumping back and forth. Sometimes I'd I would work, you know, seven at night to seven in the morning. I'd ask somebody to come in at 6 a.m. and then uh, I'd go home and take a three-hour nap, and then I. would I'd teach for the rest of the afternoon or I'd go fly some charter flights or vice versa. I'd fly some charter flights and then I'd go home and take a nap and then go to work that night. And I did that for a couple of years and it was really, really hard. But it made it made going to the airline very satisfying. And I'm, I love every minute of what I'm doing over there. Well, that's really cool to hear. What, what a story. And, and uh, you're a testament to somebody that, that's looking to, to change careers. As a matter of fact, if someone has a question about this, I'd email us feedback at aviation careers podcast and i will send that along to paul to you know because this is some really really cool stuff and I, I really commend you for what you've done i think it's been Thanks. been amazing um you know people will say you know gosh was it was it worth it and uh financially was it worth it in the airline business in the beginning it's not in the beginning it's it's very very low um but if you and i'll have the stats that, that show it if you look at in the long run, as an airline pilot, just using the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you're going to make about double what yeah. what a, a nurse would make. So as far as – and we're just looking at numbers. Of course, there's more to life than just numbers. Yeah, exactly. But if you look in the beginning, uh, you're looking at pay is – you know, it, it's, it's a lot lower in the beginning, uh, but it's still – not that bad. Uh, I know people only look at the beginning salaries of $25,000 and $20,000 at certain airlines, and that's extremely low. Unlike with a nurse, well, you'll make a lot more money starting. Uh, but it's you have to look at yourself 10 years down the line uh, and say, hey, this 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 is, is worth it for me. One thing that's really cool about what you've done, and for people that are thinking about being both a nurse and an airline pilot, it can be done because you're doing it. Oh, it can be done. Yeah, and, it can be, and I think it can be very lucrative too. I mean, and it doesn't have to just be a nurse. This also goes to hold the whole career change thing too. You know, Carl, we have there are people that are sitting here listening, saying, "Man, I," you know, they're they're sitting at a computer, they're sitting at a desk, they're they're accountants, they're you know computer programmers, and they they're staring out the window at a plane that's flying by. You can you can make the change too. You know, it just requires a little bit of planning a little bit of support and a lot of hard work, but you could do it. You really can. And I think that's important to, to say that because, um, you're right. You know, in, for me, from a financial standpoint, I will do better. The end game is significantly better as an airline pilot right now. It's a little bit hard. Um, I'm still working as a nurse partially for financial reasons, partially because I really like being a nurse, but yeah, the end game is better. But there's a there's something that happened to me that you can't put a price tag on, and it's happiness. Right. I have never been happier in my life than 
um, than I am now doing this airline job. And I, there is no amount of money that uh, is worth the feeling that I have right now. And so I'm I'm really really excited about what I'm doing, and uh, and nursing is part of me, and, and it'll never it'll never go away. I'll always do it in some capacity. Maybe I won't be a flight nurse, you know, when I get a when I move on to a a, um, a major airline, but uh, because financially it wouldn't make sense. But um, you know, but I'll always do it on some level, or maybe I'll just donate my time and and volunteer my time as a nurse. So. And yeah. and that's awesome. I mean, look at look at uh, you know you and I both are similar there, and the people that are listening are like, wow, it can be done. You know, I I loved you know broadcasts. I, my first time on TV was I was 16 years old, and uh, you know I, I worked on a on a show, and then after that I worked for a cable company, etc. And I got away from that, and here I am years later back on the microphone, and I'm able to take this career aviation and combine it with another and there's a reason i think it's something we haven't touched on yet with aviation you get a lot of days off and the ability to do other things especially as you move up Uh, i choose to take a lot of days off for example i have 20 days off this month next month i have 18 days off so during those days off i'm filling it with other things obviously i have to spend time with my wife but i'm also doing this i'm doing podcasts i'm helping people coaching them and uh and you are filling those hours with being a nurse and you know for me it's the opposite it makes more sense for me to go to work more because the pay is so much higher than me doing anything else uh, and like I said, it's there's few careers where in the beginning you make any more, but in the end you can't make any less. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, you know, it's just you know, it, it's phenomenal how much money you can make uh, once you move up in, in the career path. Um, there's, but but with that said, you have to look at the happiness. Like you just said, the happiness factor is is huge. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I was on an island watching the the moon rise over the Atlantic Ocean, and I was in the Caribbean at a resort, hanging out, and uh, you know, just just looking at the fish and swimming around a reef. And I'm getting paid to do that. That was work and, for you. And that was work. Now, of yeah. course, I had to get up in the morning really early, get to the airport, and fly to that island. And uh, and I actually had to do another flight prior to that. So I'd been up for like 14, 15 hours. Uh, so that was kind of the part, hard part was, was the actual sleep. But then there's this huge reward at the end of being able to hang out some really cool places that and, and places I would never go without having been in the aviation field you know this is just yeah. one of those phenomenal fields where you get to see so many really cool places and and things so it's it's cool to hear from somebody that's that's done that that's actually you know successfully changed careers uh you're still moving forward though uh you're still moving uh move forward in your airline career and this isn't your end goal where you are someday you want want to be flying i'm assuming uh you know a larger airplane i do i want to fly um, at a major airline, I have one airline uh, picked out for a bunch of reasons. Um, and but yeah, I the next the next stop for me, I hope to I hope is my last stop. Um, and uh, I'd like to fly larger airplanes. I'd like to fly in the Caribbean. Um, I'd like to you know and 
I think you could think of, you know, the airline, some people might say that the airline career, I sort of almost even maybe myself struggled with this, but uh, some people might say that the airline career, I did that for selfish reasons, or I just wanted to fly planes, or but I, I never viewed the airline as going to the airline as, uh, you know, where I would, I stopped helping people. I feel like airline pilots are not only are they necessary, but you, airline pilots do really cool things. If you, you know, and it's easy to to not uh, pay attention to this stuff, but watch people get off a jet bridge and watch people watch what they do. You're connecting people with loved ones. You might be bringing uh, an elderly person to, and I know because I've done this. You might be bringing an elderly person to their to their their son or their daughter so that they can live out the rest of their years, which aren't very many because they're sick with, uh, you know, with family members or you're bringing somebody to a doctor, to a specialist that could be life-saving or you're connecting, you know, loved ones who haven't seen each other in, in a number of years or you're bringing families to Disney World for the very first time. I mean, this is really cool stuff that you do as an airline pilot. So you're still helping people. Um, and, uh, and, and it's really, it's, it's just really, it's a really special job. And I hope to, that the next airline that I go to, I, I know that I'll have the ability to do that at this next airline that I'm uh, thinking about. So I just have to work real hard and, uh, until I get there. Well, I'm sure you'll make it. I mean, I, you know, with that attitude, I think a lot of us can learn from your attitude in that if you're a pilot right now and, uh, or you're anybody in any career, look at why you're doing it. And, uh, you know, when I tell pilots is go back and take a look at the passengers. Remember why it is you're doing what you're doing and don't get complacent because th- those people, they deserve for you to be somebody that's on their game every day flying as safely as possible. So don't ever think that what you do isn't important because some people get bored going from point A to point B, point A to point B, but it's that one time where you have a problem and you resolve it and you know your passengers may not know about it. Uh, but you know, it's that self-satisfaction that you were able to help the, those people out. Kind of like you do with flight as a flight nurse. You know, some people don't realize all the training and everything that goes into, you know, like you said, making securing an airway, making sure that that, that person lives till they get to the hospital. For you, you've you've done it a lot of times, uh, so it can get somewhat routine. But just remember, it's really, really important what you're doing. Uh, you know, th- just connecting families, I- I'd have to say, is is absolutely amazing. Uh, just flew down to Cuba and Havana, and just to see the people get off the plane that haven't seen their family in years was just so yeah, exciting. It's special. It is. It, re- it really yeah. is. You know, when they, we on, on this episode, obviously, we're, we're concentrating on, on becoming a flight nurse, but, you know, we didn't want to, you know, we want to, you know, full disclosure here that, you know, Paul's actually looking on, to move on, but... But I don't think you'll ever leave the nursing field, will you? No, I don't think I ever will. I think that I think that my focus will change um, as time goes on. I I'd like to move on to another airline and spend a bunch of time there working and and making a little bit of money and doing living that life. But I will never not be a nurse. I will always be a nurse. I think that what I'm actually pretty excited about it because I think. Moving on to the next to my next step to my goal airline will afford me the opportunity to be able to donate my time as a nurse and um, uh, help people out voluntarily uh, in in ways that I choose to to do so um, and so I think that's what it's all about and it also gives you gives me the opportunity to get involved with other great uh, 
organizations like this one where I can help people get involved with uh, in, in aviation through the scholarship guide that we're working on. And so that's another that's another thing that I'm able to I'm, I'm so excited to get involved there because now I'm able to give back into aviation, which is my another huge passion and love of mine. So, well, and for those that, that don't know, we, uh, and this is your first episode, Paul's actually joined us as a scholarships analyst, and he's been uh, doing some heavy lifting, just going out researching scholarships and getting them placed into the scholarships guide. You can see the guide at aerospacescholarships.com, obviously, or click on it from the website here at, uh, at Aviation Careers Podcast. It's, it's a really incredible resource. As a matter of fact, now that you mention it, Paul, let's talk a little bit about uh, Medevac uh, scholarships. We, we're going to put one out there on the website, uh, and it's uh, from the Medevac Foundation International. Uh, they award a scholarship uh, from the Medical Transport Leadership Institute. And uh, this, this institute, they develop uh, you know, leadership skills, management skills uh, specific to the medical transport industry. And they have all of these different programs. And uh, this year's has been closed, the 2015, but we're going to put the, uh, the information out there on our website as far as the scholarship is concerned. So just look under the scholarship of the week at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash episode 93 slash 93 to take a look at that scholarship there. Um, and there's many more scholarships uh, to get into to nursing, uh, but specifically uh, flight nursing and that type of thing. Um, but, you know, before we go, is there any last advice you can give to somebody as far as specifically for the flight nurse? You know, any advice to uh, somebody that's looking at getting into this? Yeah, you know, I would just say that um, never lose sight of, the, of your end game. I think this, you know, it's sort of, it, it might just be maybe general advice, but always always keep in mind what you're what you're trying to accomplish and take it take it a step at a time a day day at a time even an hour at a time i know how hard it could be um getting through nursing school working in the icu i worked in the icu and the emergency room most of my time as a nurse was in the icu um but uh you know some of those nights in the icu were um it was really a really difficult job. One of the, I think it was the hardest job I've ever had. Um, and so some of those nights are really challenging. Some of those days can be challenging. And, and that's a really intense, uh, high-energy place to work as well. Um, it, continue to better yourself constantly. Um, uh, attend c- continuing education courses and uh, and eventually you know have a good attitude and you eventually you'll get there it'll take some time it's but all everything that's worthwhile and everything that's good in life isn't easy um, and I think that I, I think it's easy to uh, forget that sometimes and so just keep working real hard and it'll happen you just have to be patient yeah, you have to be patient with most careers, and this is especially Absolutely. aviation and uh, and flight nurse. And you know, Paul, this has been great having you on to, to talk about becoming a flight nurse, and also to talk about combining two different careers. And uh, and you've successfully done that, and uh, we really commend you for that. And we really appreciate what you've done. You know, hopefully uh, we'll never see you in the helicopter while we're <laughs> sitting or laying there, <laughs> but uh, exactly. we wouldn't mind seeing you at some point uh, showing off the equipment. <laughs> and, and we will we will put a picture. 
picture of actually uh, Paul flying in the helicopter there. As a matter of fact, when you're doing any research into a career, uh, one of the things that's important is to find out who you're going to work for. And I have some links to do different websites uh, uh, that, ha- that do air medical, and that's PHI, air medical, and air methods in two different companies. You, it's really – it's like when you want to become an airline pilot, go to an airline's website and see what where they go, what they do. And you can learn a lot by just looking at their websites and clicking on the careers section on those websites. So I, I really think you should try to do that. Also, if you have questions for Paul about this and also the scholarships, obviously, just go to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com and our contact page. Make sure you do check out the links on this episode. Uh, you can check them out in the show notes. We will have them there. Uh, you know, Paul, it's it's really been a pleasure having you on, and we'll and we'll be talking to you again. Uh, and we really appreciate you know you being motivational and and doing what you're doing with the scholarships. And uh, you know, we've we've put a, quite a few scholarships on the website, and this has really become one of the largest uh, scholarships guides out there. That's for sure. So thank thanks for that, Paul. Oh yeah, thanks. I I really appreciate you having me and uh, giving me the opportunity to tell my story. I I think it's. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm nothing special. So if uh, if I could do it, anybody can do it. And I think that's my my biggest point. I truly mean that. I, it just, you know, you just need to work real hard. And and uh, um, and I'm super. Like I said, I'm super excited to be involved with the scholarships. I think I think that we're, we're we really we can really help people. And that scholarships guide's getting awfully thick. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I find an awful awful lot of scholarships out there, and there's tons more that we're going to be. Uh, Putting on in the future, it's it's quite a few more. As a matter of fact, hundreds and hundreds. hundreds. You know, we we wind up always being behind by a few hundred scholarships because it it just grows exponentially. And there's so many people out there that want to give you money for your training. We're gonna add a whole section under flight nurse and uh, make sure you go out there and check those scholarships out. Uh, we have scholarships all over the world that we're adding. Finally, we are starting to do some more. We're doing some scholarships for specific colleges and for specific companies. Uh, we've decided to add those because there's a lot of pe- people that work for large companies that have no idea that there's scholarships that are available at their company. So that was one of the reasons. We want this guide to actually get you started on your way towards your career goal, whether that's being a pilot, flight nurse, mechanic, or uh, somebody who's actually working as a manager in the aviation field. No matter what you do, just make sure you do something today to move forward in your career. Uh, go link on some of these these websites for those, those different places that you want to work. And that's my challenge to you today. The one thing you can do today to move forward in your career is go research some websites and research those companies that do the things that you want to do. Find out about what that, that, that job is because you learn so much from the stories that you hear on their websites. Well, this has been Carl Valeri and Paul Greco from Aviation Careers Podcast. We appreciate your listening to episode 93, Fly Safe, Do Something Today to Move Forward in Your Career. We'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.